Welcome to the Speak the Language podcast presented by Onyx Hunt. We're so excited to have you here for another week's episode. And look, in terms of episodes that you don't want to miss, I can promise you this is one of them. And we're going to get right into that. But first, just a few quick household items. If this happens to be your first time joining us for the show, welcome. Truly happy and honored to have you here. If you just showed up for this episode because you saw Logan Stark in the description, I get it. He's a fun guy to listen to, but I hope you'll stick around for more episodes in the future. We try to consistently create content that's engaging, entertaining, and informative to everybody. So if you like us, Please give us a rating on Apple or Spotify, whichever platform you listen on. And if you feel extra generous and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, write us a review. It helps the show out a ton. Now, moving forward, let's talk a little bit about Onyx Hunt's Elite Membership. Now, I personally have been an Onyx Elite member since around 2017 or 18, and I fell in love with the app for the same reason most of y'all did. I loved the access to all the 50 states. I loved the private and public land boundaries. I loved all the different hunt layers. But... What some of you might not know about is all the sweet deals and services that are exclusive to elite members. So to highlight one of those this week, since I'm down in the Southeast, there's a lot of general firearm seasons that are about to be opening up down here, waterfowl seasons as well. One thing that a rifle hunter and a waterfowl hunter both have to have is ammunition. So as an elite member, you can get deals on federal premium ammunition. That's right, you heard me correctly, you can save money on ammo. And that's just one. There is a literal pile of other deals and services that you get access to as an elite member from brands like Primo's, Bushnell, the Hunting Public Deer School, Elk Collective, Rob Roberts Custom Gunworks, Cornerstone Gun Dogs, Lone Wolf, the list literally goes on and on. So if you're an elite member and you haven't accessed these deals yet, do it today, and if you're not an elite member, I would highly suggest becoming one. Let's talk about this week's episode. This is an interview that I was extremely excited about the second that we got it scheduled. We're talking to a man by the name of Logan Stark that most of you probably recognize and know from the ever-popular Black Rifle Coffee Company. Logan served in the United States Marine Corps as a scout sniper. He went on multiple deployments. He served in Afghanistan. Logan has done multiple things in his lifetime that demand our respect and our gratitude. And to top it all off, he's also extremely fun to talk to Oh, he's also planning on skydiving on the seven different continents in seven days. And that's kind of the main point of this whole conversation. I'm going to quit rambling and get right into it. Hope you enjoy. By chance, did you catch that first episode of the new Meat Eater season? Yeah, I watched it last night. Um, And it was funny because... uh, well, I I love Alaska. I've only had the chance to go there one time, but like my soul needs to go back uh, <laughs> as soon as possible. Um, and so I was extremely jealous throughout the whole entire episode. But um, like you get a couple really cool personality uh, traits from Evan, the CEO coming out in that that mediator episode because you see uh, his unwillingness to present weakness. Uh, in any way, shape, or form, right? Like, I remember he came back from that hunt and he was like, it was awful. Like, it never stopped raining. We never stopped walking. We didn't see shit. Um, but overall, for me, is the episode like, man, you know, I um, I lost my first elk this fall. Yeah. And, and um, I learned more looking for that thing than I have on um any of the other elk hunts i've done and i got some of the same feelings when i was watching evan's episode because uh steve started rattling uh for bucktail and i was like they would have never done that had they had they gotten success right out of the gate you know and it's like to me those like hard experiences get you so much more out of what you're trying to go do on a hunting trip like that because it forces you to think outside the box forces you to be creative and then it kind of it creates these bonds that you wouldn't normally get especially when and you know those two just spending two uh the two of them spending all that time together you know yeah they they wouldn't have like saw each these other sides of each other if it wasn't that hard you know what i mean and that's when i think when i think about the why behind going on hunts like it's to do that. It's to go do the really hard trips, not to go, you know, kill something on the first day. 
Yeah. Uh, so like I've been one as far as like losing an elk. I've been there. I can relate with that. And it was like, like I grew I grew up here in central Mississippi. And so the biggest game that we grew up hunting was whitetails, you know. And don't get me wrong, it was definitely like I'd lost whitetails before and that sucked. I didn't like that at all. But the first elk I ever lost, it just hit completely different. But I, I don't know if it's because of just like how much more goes into it, like as far as just like how much planning, how much travel, how many days, hours, miles put in. And then the way that that I've always elk hunted, I mean, I know plenty of guys that do the solo thing, all the respect in the world to it, but I've never done it that way. There's always a group of us. And so there was this sense of like, I just let everybody down and spent days and like it said it, it's like a wasn't a fun lesson at the time but there was definitely a lesson involved in there whether i wanted to learn it or not but i got it <laughs> yeah and losing all that meat you yeah. know it, it's like that's that's sustainment for years you know if, if oh, you yeah. do it right and yeah that that kills me man that really hurts yeah because we uh like I, I was i got to kill an elk this year and uh, like you said, I haven't I haven't had to buy beef in a very long time because I just I like elk meat and I've been fortunate enough to get it. But yeah, losing one is zero fun. I was doing some preparation, getting ready for this interview. How many times do you think you've had to use a parachute in the past few months? Well, I can tell you exactly how many. Uh, Ninety-one times. Uh, <laughs> diligently been tracking this over the course of um just starting it in april yeah a group of us black rifle coffee all went through the accelerated freefall program together mm -hmm. um so uh 91 times a piece of fabric has saved me from yeah in the earth at high rates of speed did you did you do anything as far as like like parachutes or yeah, I don't know the right term but in the military did you do anything involved with that or was that all post your military career yeah I and that was a big part of it. I think why I was so uh, interested to get going into this side of things was uh, I didn't get the chance to do any of that in my military career I was I was the guy that was snooping and pooping in the woods and moving as slow as possible you know what I mean <laughs> it I was not I Thoroughly enjoyed. I, I think I, when I got to become a scout sniper in the Marine Corps, mm -hmm. I, I was like, this is what I was made to do. Like this, this is my job. This is what I want to do as long as I can do it. Yeah. Um, or at, at least it fit my personality really well. Um, and that didn't involve any sort of airborne operations or doing anything logistically that was super exciting. Um, so I, I just didn't get a chance to do that. And typically the only the only Marines usually, uh, with a few exceptions, that go through jump school are recon guys and MARSOC guys now. Um, so I just never made that evolution uh, in my career. So I didn't have uh, that as a part of my military career. Um, but it was something that was always in the back of my mind since the first time that I set foot in a wind tunnel. Um, with how amazing the feeling of um the concept of flying was was there the ideology for this triple seven project or did that come after the 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 start of all the airplane jumping it came after um you know which is one of those weird things that you know sometimes you got to giggle about how the way life pans out but yeah uh, a group of us went through uh the accelerated free pro free fall program in april and three of a, three out of the, three out of the six actually made it to 25 jumps to where you can get your a license and jump on your own mm -hmm. um, and <clears throat> then the process began of like okay the company paid for us to go through this how do we make this work how, how do we take this thing that seemingly has no applicable application towards you know helping the larger whole of you know both our veteran community and outside of it being inspiring um and use it as a tool to to help and 
to create value in other people's lives. And a couple months later, uh, lo and behold, this triple seven project uh, kind of just falls in our lap. Yeah. Uh, to we get invited with uh, most of the group is uh, SEALs that is going to be doing the jumping. Um, but there is uh, a guy that was Marine Recon that switched decks and, and went to become a SEAL. And then um, uh, older gentleman that's going to be doing the tandems part of it uh, that was part of setting the original record. So uh, doing the all seven continent jumps uh, and he did it in like seven months or something like that. And we're trying to just do it as quick as possible so that we set the record. Um, but the why, like we're always talking about story and we're talking about the why here at Black Rifle Coffee. And right. the why, the why is the most important part. And with this, it was, the why was easy in a way because you saw everything getting attached to this nonprofit organization called Bulls of Honor, which gives scholarships and funds to Gold Star family members. <clears throat> and Gold Star family members uh, were kind of an all-encompassing term for people who had lost uh, family members uh, on a, in a combat mm -hmm. <laughs> type scenario. Uh, and they just opened that up. So it's any uh, first responder family. So anybody that's lost a family member uh, in the line of duty here in the States as well is open to receive scholarship funds uh, as a part of this uh, Folds of Honor nonprofit, which is something that you can just see the, the ripple effect that's going to happen decades into the future as far as helping kids have opportunity to do anything uh, when they get to be 18 years old. You know what I mean? How many, how many three to six-year-old kids are there out there who have lost their parents in some way, shape, or form that um, are already handicapped in life just because of that fact, because their, their parent decided to make uh, the ultimate sacrifice. Um, so it's, it's one of those things, man, like uh, we're very like mission driven on this thing. We're like, we got to do this. Like we got to at least $7 million needs to be raised for this. Right. Yeah. I was, you know, like, so, so Baker reached out, you know, about, you know, about have talking about this, promoting this on the show. And of course I was like, of course, before I even really looked into what it was, I was just familiar enough with black rifle coffee that I was like, y'all don't do any jump pauses. You know, everything has got some sustenance to it. But then I started looking into it and like one, just the, I mean, honestly, the craziness of the project, I was like seven continents in seven days. That's all. That's like, that's all the continents. There's no more continents. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, and then I saw what it was going to. I was like, yeah, that, that fits. Yeah. We can definitely talk about that. Cause y'all, I mean, y'all have always been since I've started following along with y'all been behind causes that I, I don't know, like for me, I, well, I'll give you kind of like a short story. So um, I had watched for the 25 well prior to this. Um, and then I watched it again, again, like leading up to this interview. I was like, I haven't watched that in a while. I'm going to watch it again. Uh, I, when I was younger, like I was, I mean, I was probably under the age of 10. I don't have the only military member I had in my family was my grandfather that served in World War, World War II. So I, you know, I didn't have a lot of time spent around people in the military. And I met this man when I was, on, you know, below the age of 10 and then ended up knowing and being around him well into, well into like latter parts of high school and not being around any military member, members. The only thing, even at that young age, the only thing I remember quantifying being totally honest is I was like, that dude just seems like he's, he's different. I couldn't figure out what it was. He just seemed different. And mm -hmm. even later on into high school, I, I never could figure it out. I just was like, I, I know the military thing has to be tied to it because he was a Marine. He had seen combat. I just didn't know. And then for the 25 and then several things that Black Rifle has put out, like well past my time and knowing that guy, I looked back at it and I was like, oh, that it, it, completely different perspective on, mm -hmm. on, on that person, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, um, we're experience machines, right? Like as humans, like we're, we are the way we are because of what we experience in life. And that's why I think we constantly try and put ourselves out there in such a capacity where we're constantly doing uncomfortable things because 
it has all these secondary and tertiary effects on what you're capable of as mm-hmm. a human. It, it was it, it was very it was very enlightening, and it, it's it's easy to to get behind. It was one thing. Another thing that I've heard, I heard you refer to um, in another interview. You referred to like you going into the military. You said it was like your your lighthouse was the term you used, um, mm-hmm. and I I've been fortunate enough in my lifetime that I've known a hand, a small handful of people that had that same kind of similar focus. Cause quite honestly, I just don't think there's that many people out there. There's just like, it's a minority of people that can have that much focus on one thing. And so I get like everyone that I've known like that, if they have a, you know, a, a lighthouse type focus, so to speak on one particular thing, if they meet that set goal, it's not like that just burns out and then they just go, they off. They always move that focus to something else. Like it find they find another thing to be focused on, and that's the goal. So I guess, right. like my question is, is that how for you specifically? Is that what drives you to do things like this triple seven project and and stuff like that? Yeah. Um. You know that that first lighthouse that existed when I was young was, <clears throat> to put it simply, um. It's it's evolved over time, but it's been the same thing, right? In the sense of like, there has to be something greater than what I'm experiencing in my current human ex- experience. In the sense that, like, you know, I'm I'm from a small town like Greenville, Michigan. Um, our only claim to fame was that we had a refrigerator facility that became a glider factory. Uh, <laughs> production, World War Two, yeah. um, and it it wasn't like a conscious choice to me. Like I always just like had to get out. I, I had to like go explore what was capable in life. And as that lighthouse kind of was built, it was this like all encompassing like question of like one, where the, do we come from? And two, like, what is our purpose? What is our, like, what, what are we, here to do not just as like individuals but like a more grandiose question of that coming from us as a species and those are questions that are always going to be there and they're you know whether or not those are answered uh over the course of a lifetime we'll never know but there's all these little lighthouses on the way to that big one right Mm -hmm. and when you're looking at choosing your lighthouse um that that first one became so clearly evident as being uh, the military being a good focus within that because um, I had like, I'd finally left the the hometown. Mm-hmm. And once I got out, I was like, it's cool that I'm not here anymore, but it really wasn't all it was cracked up to be because I was still missing this sense of purpose and trying. Mm-hmm. And I think those are like, you know, I, very much still abide in the kiss principle uh the keep it simple stupid yeah philosophy um and i think those are the two main things that every human needs to constantly question and search for is purpose and tribe and i didn't have those things still when i had left uh home and as i was thinking about how do i how do i find these things you know we were in the middle of the Iraq war and the Afghanistan war. And that was really when I started to like become an adult and, and want to serve. And there was, it just, it built and built in me to where like, I had to go do this thing. And it wasn't like, it wasn't something that, uh, like I, I went and I signed up for the Marine Corps without telling anybody. Like I didn't, I didn't talk to any of my parents about it. I didn't tell them. My friends actually thought that I got a DUI uh, when I went to go sign up because they're like, like, what's going on with you, man? Like, did you get in trouble or something? I was like, yeah. I joined the Marine Corps. And they're like, what? Uh, so that was that was the thing that really opened me up to, to worldly experience, you know? And man, I I wouldn't take that experience back for the world, man. Like it, I think that, especially now, I think a big problem with most Americans uh, is that they don't travel in a worldly capacity because you learn 
so much without even trying. And you you garner so much appreciation for this country just by traveling. You know what I mean? Like go <laughs> go go do do a tour throughout Asia and then uh, come back to the U.S. and tell me you're not like oh my god, they like kissing the ground that you because of how good it is. Yeah, uh, and that first lighthouse like molded me and to who I am. And I'm so like grateful that <laughs> young dumb Logan uh, made that decision because it, it, it exposed me to so much and, and so many great Americans uh, that it became uh, the launch pad essentially for, for what I was capable of. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it's, I don't know. Anytime I have, the opportunity to talk to somebody that's in, I call them like passion centered careers, you know, just a career that, that someone is like overtly very passionate and like eccentric about borderline. It's always like a, there's always like an interesting path at how they got there. Um, It's interesting. Like I said, like, like I've heard your story of how you ended up at black rifle. That was an interesting story. And it's uh, another thing like I wanted to ask you about, is like I've talked to, well, including like I've heard you talk about it. I've talked to um, Crispy before. And then there was a guy, there's a man, uh, he came and hunted with us. Uh, this was like back in 2014. His name is Tom Fuller. He was a ranger. Um, and all these guys that I, they, you know, heard them before and then spent, you know, like firsthand time with. They One thing they always like, a synonymous thing I hear them talk about is like, like I live my life the way I live now because you know the 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 brothers that I lost would want me to live this way like where does that sentiment come from you know it's um it's it's an honor thing I think in a, in a big way and it's <laughs> you know you just miss them man like for some reason you know life likes to kick you in the balls sometimes. And, you know, I think about specifically for the triple seven project, we are all picking um, a lost one to, to do the jumps in honor of, and yeah. I'm picking <clears throat> Matt Abate, who uh, was killed while we were in Afghanistan. He was uh, awarded the Navy cross, which is the second highest um, award that you can get in the Marine Corps for, uh, actions on uh, a couple of days while he was in Afghanistan. And it's, you can't get rid of like that, like little, you know, kind of personality on the shoulder. Like you can't get rid of that voice of like who that dude embodied. And he was, he was the one guy that you're like, okay, like take 20 of us before you take that guy. Mm. You know what I mean? He was, yeah. It was so crushing uh, for us as the group of scout snipers that we were and the group of Marines that we were, that he was the one that was lost. It was, it was the worst thing that could happen. Um, but that, that event and losing him created this reverberation of <clears throat> memory and uh you have to do things to like feel like you're earning the right to breathe still. Right. It's a responsibility. Um, I don't like saying the word burden, but the word burden actually fits the best because of uh, the weight of it. Mm -hmm. But I can't, if I'm a piece of shit, I have overwhelming guilt. Like I can't, live a certain way because you have this responsibility because these guys aren't here anymore right yeah. and it was it was so interesting because i was i said it in the in the piece but i was specifically talking about matt when i said this of like um there's a couple activities that like the boys would want us to do right yeah and scott Evans was one of them. and i i see matt's face when i talk about this so it's interesting how this all comes from full circle, right? Yeah. Because skydiving doesn't have a lot of participants. There's uh, 
30,000 people, I think, in the community at large, which is not a lot of people. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's not a lot at all uh, in the grand scheme of things. So it's like, it's hard to make it applicable and like touchable for everybody through just the activity. But when you start to take what it is in the essence of it, um, as far as doing something that's extremely uncomfortable, um, doing something that puts you in a state of flow, so to speak, to where uh, I think that is really, like if we wanna take lessons out of this, I think it is really hyper important uh, specifically for combat veterans to figure out a flow state for themselves because it provides such a mental relief from the what your brain is like now in the sense of like, you can't really ever get rid of that, like constantly being on guard, especially when you are in an environment where you're getting into um, <clears throat> combat operations on an almost daily basis. Like, Mm -hmm. Your brain will never shut that off. Yeah. So finding, finding an activity that requires so much focus that it, you do get a break. So it's like <laughs> you, you don't even think about it that way, that <clears throat> these hyper crazy things is actually a break and, and a relief for a veteran's brain because they don't usually, they're not usually able to get that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think. I'm pretty sure it was, I think it was you that was talking, but y'all were telling a story about somebody, it was, it was a gunfight and you made the remark that you were like, I had become so used to hearing, you know, such and such had been shot that it had, you know, it, it wasn't even like that heavy at the time because you were, you'd gotten so used to hearing that. And I'm sitting, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, I'm like, there's so many of us, like the vast majority of the of the country you know myself included like i can't even put myself in that headspace i've never been in a gunfight you know i don't know i have no clue what that feels like if i'm if i'm shooting a gun in my lifetime it's hunting it's recreational just trying just attempting to like put myself there and try to imagine what that would be like it's just it's nuts to me and there's people that like you that have and still do that daily. And it's, it's mind blowing. If I take the time to truly think about it, it's, it really is. And it makes sense what you're saying about needing these, like the, like the, the skydiving or whatever kind of outlet it is to kind of make, make it even killed. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you can get it in a lot of different ways. You know, a lot of, a lot of guys ride motorcycles. Um, mm -hmm. I think, I think you can get it shooting a bow actually um if if it takes a little bit more focus to do that um but when i picked up a compound bow after i got out of the military i was like oh thank god thank god <laughs> because you get to do you get to work through so many of the things that you learn in the military but you can do it in your backyard you could do it inside your house you know what i mean um, and that is such an incredible thing to tap into uh, multiple tiers of the shooter's checklist, um, the thought of what it means to take a life, um, mm -hmm. and uh, your capabilities um, and efficiencies as a man and expanding those constantly and, and constantly being able to pick up any weapon and, and be able to use it uh, to save life and limb potentially or enhance life and limb um and and so 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 much of like what the last few years i'm like i'm trying to like get these messages out to other veterans you know like hey these things are really good for us because i've not only had the impact on myself but i've seen it across time and you know we we started the veteran adaptive athlete shoot at black rifle coffee mm -hmm. which is so cool i think it's my favorite thing that we've done as a company uh, to where every year we get all these guys and we outfit them with bows and mm -hmm. we shoot together and that program needs a ton of expansion, but it's the embodiment of all these different philosophies coming to fruition in one day. And I think that's even better when we start to think about um, how many veterans don't hunt. It is mind boggling to me. And, 
not that I guess it shouldn't be mind boggling because it took me a while to get into hunting after getting out of the military because there, there's so much input into your brain. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But I think some of, um, some of the happiest veterans that I know are hunters Mm -hmm. because they have all of this preparation that they're thinking about. A lot of guys, when you, when you get out of the military, you don't have somebody telling you what to do anymore. Um, Mm. and, and you need that, but also like you hate it at the same time because you're like, I've just spent so many years with some asshole telling me what to do all the time. Like I need to think myself, but they've never done, they haven't done it in so long. So like that, that transition to get used to that again is difficult, but I think humans, uh, in their totality, not, not just, uh, veterans or hunters or anything, but if we're preparing for something, if we're mission oriented, we're better because we're trying to get ready, like getting ready, like packing your pack, uh, hydration, like that's that all those things are at the baseline level are things that make you better. Mm-hmm. And if we're constantly trying to be better, we're, not so centrically focused on all the negative around us and we're becoming positive influences within our world. And let's be honest, we need way more of those within our society. Yeah. Yeah. There's never, um, we definitely don't have a, uh, an excess of positive influences. (laughs) If anything, it's the opposite. (laughs) Yeah. It feels like a lot of times people don't even want it. It's like, man, I can't pull up. I, I, mostly use YouTube now as a social media. Yeah. I don't really like Facebook and Instagram anymore. I still use them um, because they're a communication tool, but uh, YouTube is where I like, I actually still enjoy YouTube because it's uh, there, there's so much learning to be had there. Um, but like, man, I'm so sick of hearing about Kanye. Like who cares? Yeah. Like this, what's wrong with us is that we're looking towards like, these crazy individuals as inspiration. It's like, there's so many awesome humans out there, man, that are doing amazing things, but we're choosing to focus on this because we're, we're messed up in the head Mm -hmm. as a result of this. What? Almost 20 years now that Facebook has been around. It's crazy. And then you you hear about, Zuckerberg talking about, oh, we're going to get into meta and we're going to wear masks and it's going to be a better experience because you're, the person you're talking to is going to have a, a physical representation in the metaverse. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Like, stop. Just stop. We need to go backwards and engage with each other and look at each other in the eyes because that's what we're meant to do, not through digital means. Like you're yeah. going the wrong direction, dude. Dude, it, like, I saw, I, I honestly, I, I hadn't, like, I saw the whole meta talk. I didn't really pay it that much attention because, like, as far as social medias go, like, I've lost so much faith. Like, Facebook, I'm just like, eh, get out of it. But, yeah. and I'd seen the meta thing, and I really hadn't paid it that much attention until I was watching something on YouTube, and an ad for meta came up, and it showed these people talking with the little VR things up, and it, like, little di- freaked me out legitimately freaked me out i'm like that is so like because i know like it's kind of the whole like the kanye thing he talked on it's like we all just look to it like oh you know I mean, i'm just like how many people are gonna fall for that and be wearing those things all the time and think that's the way to interact with people i yeah that freaked me out man i was like y'all need to get in the woods like i don't know <laughs> climb a tree i don't yeah. like smell the fresh air some stuff like that I feel like I take for granted sometimes because what I do for a living, I get to be outdoors all the time. And then I spend a lot of my life, you know, thinking I'm born and raised in central Mississippi. Everyone is familiar with hunting. For the most part, that's still true. But I'll come in contact with people that are my age and younger that grew up here. And they're like, I've never killed a deer before. I don't eat deer meat. And I'm like, I don't know. what I, It freaks me out on that. Yeah. 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 And I've, uh, man, I just, ever since I, I picked up a bow again and it's, it's provided so many rewards for me personally. And I'm so grateful and fortunate to have been able to do a ton of travel over the course of 
the last few years here um, that taps back into kind of that lighthouse philosophy of yeah. <clears throat> like, okay, so, you know, what were we fighting for? And I, <clears throat> I really uh, have taken it upon myself. Like, I want to know America. I want to know the people there. I want to know what the differences are between these, the different states and what, what's available there and how they have like, how they were developed and their delicate little intricacies. And man, it's been so fun. I keep bringing up, um, I was able to go on a hunt with uh, Fred Eichler oh, earlier cool. this year and uh, for pronghorn and we went frogging and I was, I shot a frog with a recurve bow that I built with Corey Hawk in Nebraska. And I was like, man, this is the culmination of a whole bunch of cool stuff and all these cool experiences that I've been able to have across America. Um, and I'm, I'm shaping all this stuff right now and uh, putting it together in a video format to yeah. release on my YouTube over the course of the next year. Uh, but man, just that pursuit of like, what is America all about? If, if you like, if you're looking for a lighthouse, like, what is America all about? Like it, it's such a good lighthouse to have because there's so many cool people out there who are tapped into the old ways in a, in a way, you know, like we went spear fishing for <laughs> through the ice in South Dakota. And I was like, this is the coolest thing. And then we went <laughs> hunting in the afternoons. I'm like, man, this is living right here. And yeah. it's with, with uh with the people who have a, a level and layer of grit uh that doesn't get seen too often anymore and i think uh i think there's uh, i feel a responsibility when it's when it comes to that stuff too to kind of balance out that scale of us getting so centrically focused on technology and on these uh personality figures who um like the Kanye example, uh, the writing uh, has been on the wall with that one for years. Like if you go back and you look at his TMZ uh, interviews from a while ago, you're like, why are we focused on this? <laughs> yeah. Why does anyone you know? care about that dude? Yeah. Um, and so we need to do more as kind of this old breed of humans to play the game in a sense of getting this ulterior messaging out about the way that Americans can live, I think. And you're doing a great job of it yourself um, in showcasing that across media and playing the game, even though you're like, oh, I got to do these things because that's where people are, right? But um, I hope that like, you know, Elon Musk walking into Twitter yesterday was kind of all over the news, but, um, and I know he's working on a different social media platform and you just kind of have fingers crossed on this, that, um, there will be a next evolution of this that, uh, will allow us to kind of have this ulterior messaging out about just, you know, how to, how to really enjoy being an American. Mm -hmm. How to put, you know, how to put more, the part the natural world and more focused on that not that i want you know i mean it's it's not a realistic goal to wish for everybody to hunt if everybody hunted we wouldn't have enough resources to hunt but that's that's my lighthouse so to speak is just pushing for more appreciation for those things and that's why stuff like meta freaks me out because i even though i work very much within the social media space that's what i do that's mainly what my focus is within onyx but it's using that as a vector to point towards what the natural world has to offer, so to speak. Um, yeah. 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 T tell me this before I get, I, I can start going down rabbit holes, especially if we start talking about hunting. I don't want it to get away from me. Like uh, the, the main focus of this with you was this triple seven project. So I don't like how, if, if someone wants to get involved or someone wants to donate, like how can they go about doing that? Yeah, the the main homepage is uh, you just Google Triple Seven Legacy Expeditions. We'll get you all the info, um, and then the donation page is uh, triple the number seven dot givesmart dot com. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's the the online portion of it. And um, so we've got we've got another we've done one training already. 
that we did out at uh, this place in Arizona called Complete Parachute Solutions. Mm-hmm. And, and we've got another one in December that we're doing as a group. Um, and <clears throat> there's all these different variables that we're working on right now. Like uh, the, first, the first jump on the trip uh, where the timer starts is in Antarctica, uh, which is such a big question mark, right? Like it's probably going to be negative 75 degrees at altitude there. Uh, we're going to have to wear different types of equipment so that, uh, you know, usually we jump with a full, full helmet, face shield, the whole nine. We're not going to be able to do that because that would frost up and we wouldn't be able to see anything. So, uh, and we're not going to want to have any exposed skin. So we, we need to start thinking about those things. We need to practice the way that we're going to play with that stuff and, and do it as a group so that we can um, be able to check each other and, and make sure that everybody's going to be able to have mission complete on that. And then we're jumping from Antarctica back to South America <clears throat> over to Spain, Egypt, UAE, Australia, and then finishing in San Diego for that, that last jump. That is nuts. And that like, that's in seven days. Uh, that's the first thing when I was looking at it, Antarctica is the one that I was the most intrigued about. Cause I was, and you said it yourself. I was like, that has to be different than all the other ones. Cause it's going to be like stupid cold because it's Antarctica. That's in the whole thing's interesting. What are you going to do when that's over? Like sleep for three days? <laughs> Probably more than that. Um, <laughs> but just, uh, just get back to work on the like storytelling elements of this, yeah. you know, and, and making sure that uh, the messaging around the why with that is continuing to be told. Like this really isn't just a, this is for me a launching pad. Uh, so I see it in my brain as far as like um, it being a vessel to be able to tell guys stories and you know, yeah. the guys that have inspired me over the course of my lifetime. Sure. I, man, and I, I'm not just blowing smoke. I think y'all do a great job at that. Like, I mean, that, and it speaks for itself. That's why Black Rifle Coffee has, has grown as big as it has. And like, just from my, my own personal perspective, and I'm sure for many others, it's, it's very much changed my perspective, my line of thinking towards military personnel. Cause like, again, I, I just don't know, like I've, I've no, no experience there. And so what I perspectives I get is the only information I have to take in and y'all do an incredible job of, of getting that message across. And I applaud you for that. Thanks, man. Thank you. I, um, you know, a lot of this stuff is like, again, the keep it simple, stupid philosophy, but, um, uh, not only the reason that black rifle was created, but, uh, another like company lighthouse is just like, what, what do we want to see out there in the world? Um, and, and what does our customer, our family, our community want? And I think we've kind of, we're seeing this shift where people want to see like who's behind the curtain mm-hmm. at companies or organizations. If they're putting their money into something, they want to be able to like, understand where that money is going in its totality and like man like we pay taxes to like we pay a lot of money in taxes every single year and every single paycheck and we're like where is that money going and you don't get the answers to that questions a lot of times you know yeah and and i think i think it's better to be way more transparent with your audience when it comes to that stuff and your supporters because it's like man, I, I want you to be able to have a dialogue with these people who are a big part of this company. And I really like this concept of, you know, there is no stuntman. Like we are the stuntman, so to speak, because um, the guys who, who built the foundation for this thing are the ones out there that are interacting with the athletes. And I always like talking about the, the motorsports and action sports push that we've done over the course of the last year, because we've got some of the biggest names uh, in those arenas with Travis Pastrana and BJ Baldwin. And, and we've been like, those guys are friends, you know, it's not this weird, like contractual obligation relationship. It's like, these guys are our buddies and we want to work buddies. And I think that that comes across in the stuff that we're doing because it's, 
it feels authentic. It it doesn't feel forced. It feels like, oh, these guys are just doing it because they they want to take this different approach towards how they communicate with their audience. Yeah. Oh, dude, if there's one thing, so Will Primos, the founder of Primos, if I learned anything from that man, that people are naturally drawn to authenticity. Like a lot of people in this world try to fake authentic. They try real hard. And a lot of people think that their customers are stupid. They're not. Like people are going to be, if you're authentic, people are going to be drawn to it. There's just no, that's one thing I'm sure of. I'm not, I may not be sure of much, but I'm sure of that. Like people like authenticity for sure. Yeah. And I think that uh, making that a priority within what you're doing, especially like in the, in the world today, it's it. So many people are just trying to participate in capitalism and, and, and do all this stuff, but the give back uh, side of things is there's so much that our community needs. Um, we've been a big, supporter of the hunter seven foundation for example and it's like um i have so much respect for the vietnam generation and what they had to deal with coming back from war and like we see how bad it is on our end the gwat generation with like guys were getting cancer from burn pits right like we were burning shit bags and batteries and, and that's causing cancer but man, these Vietnam vets, they had Agent Orange and God knows what else. And yeah. that is doing over the over time. And you start to see um, you start to see your tribe uh, take their own lives. And that is such a difficult thing to deal with. And it's it's one of those things where it's like, do you address the pink elephant in the room. Does that make it worse? Does that help it? How do you do that? Um, and so kind of pushing back to our uh, leadership philosophies on this stuff, it's like, we, we always say at Black Rifle, like we want to inspire other people, but like, what does that mean? What does that actually mean when you get down to it? And it's, it's one of those things. If some person who is lacking a vision or, or a lighthouse in the, their life, if they see some kid from Greenville, Michigan, who has somehow been able to weave their life into this larger purpose, then anybody can do it. You know what I mean? It's not untouchable for anybody. Um, and so those are some of the big things that are constantly in the back of my mind when you're thinking about the why and, and what the story actually is all about. Yeah. No, without a doubt, man. Um, and to you, like I, I, the, the, the comments about the Vietnam generation hit home with me as well, because so I, I don't know how much, how familiar you are with Primos, but like I said, there's Will Primos who founded it, but his cousin, uh, first cousin, Jimmy Primos, ran it with him alongside of him for years. And he's still part of the team, Jimmy's. But Jimmy was a, uh, in the Marines, was a sniper in Vietnam. Um, and so, and I've, I've spent countless hours in the woods with Jimmy hunting around elk and stuff. And he's, decade I've known him, I've, I've maybe had three very short conversations. But it's still, it's, it's, again, it's one of those things where like, if you're not around it, you don't know. It's increased my appreciation for that just so much more just knowing him personally and knowing how long he was over there and just a little bit of glimpse of what he had to go through and when he came home right. well you know yeah i obviously need to meet jimmy um he's great some time in the woods with him um but again man just so much respect for that generation and man they were forced to eat a shit sandwich and they actually did a really good job with it i think and uh the scope of (laughs) america battling communism over the course of the last hundred years uh that's a really big chapter in it and it's it's so forgotten about now outside of like you know a couple movies and stuff like that but like really doesn't get brought up that much and 
<clears throat> when you look at what those guys are doing now, what they've been forced to deal with, um, and, and soon they're going to be that uh, that generation that um, we're going to wish that we would have talked to them more and listened to their stories just a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. And Jimmy, um, you would you, everyone enjoys Jimmy. He's just a good dude. But well, look, man, I um, I know you're a busy guy. Uh, I I appreciate you coming on here. I don't want to burn up too much of your time, um, but one, like, I know you hear this a lot, but I don't think guys like you can ever hear it enough. Thank you for your service to our country. Thank you for what you're doing at Black Rifle. Thanks for the information about this 777 project. And um, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, man, of course. I'm, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be able to get this message out in, in any capacity. And um, I, I will, uh, let's figure out a way. I'll, I would love to get to Mississippi. That's on the to-do to list for uh, spots to visit. So um, let's see if we can't set that up for 23. Dude, that's easy. Easy. <laughs> I truly hope that y'all enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. However, let's not forget what the entire purpose of this conversation and episode was about, and it's about shedding light on this incredible 777 project. If you want to read further about the project, you can do just what Logan said. You can Google 777 Legacy Expeditions. It will fi- you'll find all the info that you need if you want to donate. And again, the donations that you'd be putting money towards is about raising life-changing scholarships in support of children of special operations soldiers who gave their lives on the battlefield and are combat veterans who've been severely wounded or require transition assistance. That is a very worthy cause, my friends. If you want to donate, 777.givesmart.com. That's the word triple, T-R-I-P-L-E, the number seven, dot givesmart.com. Hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, if you have any questions or topics, please do not hesitate to reach out. As always, thank you so very much for listening to the Speak the Language podcast presented by Onyx Hunt.